I'm more concerned if the lifestyle diminishes anymore because of the positive impact it has on families and on this country. Um, not to mention the population of the animals, the game and the land management, things like that. What this world needs right now is not worrying about eliminating the evil in the world, but Christians whose faith is alive and active. Traditionally speaking, Hollywood and the film industry hasn't been exactly kind to hunters. But my guest today, Jim Liberator, he is on a mission to change that. Hunting and hunters in today's culture, in today's society, they can sometimes get a bad rap. They can sometimes get, you know, looked down upon and or they may be seen unfairly as a stereotype that may not necessarily be true. But for so many people all across the country and all across different backgrounds, Hunting has been something that has been consistent in their lives and it's been something that has proven to be something that has solidified people's faith and it has brought families together, it has brought friends together, and just the journey itself is is a challenge and the, the hunting process itself is a challenge. And what Jim Liberator is planning on doing is basically sharing the story of a hunter, sharing the story of people like you and people like me that are out there and we are out hunting for the right reasons. So I'm really excited to be able to share my conversation with you guys today that I had with Jim Liberator. He is the CEO of Outdoor Sportman Group, where he's been for the past handful of years. And he has some great insight on how people that are not hunters are viewing hunters and how that we as hunters can reach them. So be sure to stick around for my conversation with Jim today. Before we get into my conversation with him, I just want to ask that you guys connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, also got a YouTube channel that I'm hoping that we'll be able to, to pick up on some activity here soon. So if you guys haven't subscribed there, then go ahead and do that. And, and YouTube, it gives you guys a unique way of sharing the podcast episodes and sharing the Rice podcast with people who may not necessarily be used to listening to podcasts. So you guys can just share the link to the YouTube video that way. Almost almost everybody knows how to use YouTube. So you guys can share the episodes that way. Also, like I said, I'm on Instagram at the handle at Rice Kill Eat. And I'm also on Facebook at the URL, facebook.com slash RKE afield. So that's RKE as in Rice Kill Eat afield. So be sure to connect with me on there. Be sure to like, be sure to follow. That way you guys can stay up to date on all the episodes and all the information coming from the Rice Elite podcast. All right, so like I said, I'm really excited to be able to share this conversation that I had with Jim Liberator. I first met him at a meeting just from a, a couple of weeks ago where I was able to become part of the pro staff for the TV show Buck Ventures. Those of you guys that have seen Buck Ventures, you know how great that those guys are you know with jeff with daniel and jaylee and the rest of the crew there they are absolutely incredible people and i've been blessed to be able to be a play a small role hopefully uh be able to continue to be a blessing for that show and i've been blessed with the opportunity to be able to be a pro staff for them so i went to their meeting and jim liberator was there giving a presentation on exactly what we're going to talk about today so without further ado Let's go ahead and dive right into that conversation. That way you guys can hear for yourself exactly where the heart of Jim is. So without further ado, this is the Rice Gilly Podcast. My name is Tyler Pruitt. Check out this episode with Jim Liberator. All right, we are ready to rock. So sitting here with Jim Liberator. So uh, hopefully I said that your name right there. But Actually, Liberator. 
This, yeah, okay, this, perfect. Right. Yeah, that puts you in a small <laughs> a small group. So congratulations. There we go. So Jim Webator, the CEO of Outdoor Sportman Group, and we're of course going to get into uh, your journey as far as a writer in the in the film The Harvest. But before we kind of get into that, I first heard you give the your presentation on The Harvest at the Buck Ventures Pro Staff meeting. This was my first year going to that out in Tatanka Ranch in Oklahoma. First of all, that place was beautiful, and second of all, just the, your presentation and sitting there listening to it it just i knew i had to have you on the on the podcast and i appreciate you being here yeah i really appreciate you uh you having me i think it's a really important topic and um i really appreciate the opportunity of telling people about it yeah absolutely was that your first time being at the buck ventures pro staff meeting yeah it was it was uh, it was great i mean what a what a just a great group of guys and and um you know jeff does a great job yeah it was it was really fun i had a great time yeah, it was my first time too, as I was kind of saying, and just the the group of people that's there, I feel like they're just like the the best <laughs> best human beings. I think somebody had said that in one of the one of the uh, presentations, but they're just kind of the best human beings, you know, on the planet. And it's just it was great to have everybody there, and just kind of have everybody that's like minded, that loves God, and that loves uh, obviously hunting, and loves you know prioritizes family, all those things. It was just great being in a in a room full of people that with that, that same kind of mindset. But before we kind of get into, you know, more of your story a little bit, but let's kind of start at your beginning. So everybody kind of has a beginning with how they got into hunting, how they got into the outdoors. So what does that kind of look like for you? Yeah, that's re it's really interesting because it is part of the whole harvest movie and story is that seven years ago, <clears throat> I came to uh, this outdoor sportsman group job uh, to, because of my my history of building media companies, not because I hunted or shot. In fact, never hunted and did not own a gun seven years ago. Um, and that's part of the story we can get into later. Now, since then, I've rectified both situations. I actually own a bunch of guns and and love shooting them. They're fun. That's one thing I think the hunting or the shooting industry doesn't do a good enough job is telling people how fun guns are to shoot, you know, yeah. all about protection or hunting or whatever. But I think most people will tell you they buy guns because they're fun. Um, but, uh, and then the hunting, I've been on only two hunts, which is part of the the story of the harvest that I think makes it interesting and compelling. Uh, I went on elk hunt here in uh, the front range in Colorado, took some horses up, um, and it was an incredibly successful hunt. In fact, we didn't see a single elk. But man, it was beautiful, and we hiked around about 23 miles, and it just was awesome. And then I'm almost embarrassed to say that my other hunt was in the Loire Valley in France, where I was at a, a driven boar hunt uh, as part of my job, which seems totally unfair um, that I get to do that. <laughs> um, but I did actually got a boar, and it was an amazing experience as well. Yeah, that's great. It's it's interesting that you say that. Uh... You know, your first hunt was incredibly successful, even though you didn't see an elk. You know, kind of kind of unpack that a little bit. You know, what, what do you mean by it was successful, but of course you didn't see anything? Well, we, we took uh, the mount. We took uh, me and a guy I worked with, Mike. We, we took horses up about 11,000 feet into the front range. It was really warm. Um, and we kind of knew we probably weren't going to see much. Um, but, oh, man, it was absolutely just breathtaking it was spectacular the air you know you're breathing this air that you realize doesn't have anything bad in it you know and yeah. and and you know just to sit down on a rock 
with that view of the front range. It was, it was spectacular, man. It was, again, you know, as a Christian, man, I talked to God a lot while I was out there walking around and, um, just so grateful, so amazing. You know, we're just so blessed. And and one thing that's lost in the craziness of the world right now is how blessed we are, you know, to live in this country. If you were born in America, you won the lottery, you know, and that's, and I, it just was awesome. I mean, it was really a great, great few days. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. And that, I feel like there's, you know, you turn on the news right now, I, I've said this in past episodes too, but you turn on the news right now and it just seems like the world's falling apart and, you know, the country's, you know, being literally collapsing and all that kind of thing. But in reality, I feel like we're just, I mean, we, we live in the greatest country where we have the, the freedom to, you know, have conversations like this. We have the freedom to go out and pursue animals and we have the freedom to, to open, openly discuss our faith and that kind of thing. A lot of people in other countries and other parts of the world, they don't have that kind of freedom. And, you know, the fact that we're even able to do some of the things that you're seeing on, (laughs) on TV without getting, you know, thrown in jail or even worse. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we even have those freedoms is just a, a testament to the kind of country that God has put us in. It's a, it's been pretty incredible. And one of those things, like you were saying before, is the ability to own guns. You know, I think a lot of people, you were saying how they're fun to shoot and that's, that's definitely true. And I think that a lot of people, they don't say that because I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is my own personal opinion coming out, but I feel like a lot of people don't say that they're fun to shoot because of maybe some backlash that they might get from people who don't quite understand, you know, how guns operate and, and the fact that they are actually, you know, fun to shoot. And if you go around saying, I, I like to buy guns because they're fun to shoot, you know, that, that if that gets in the wrong ears, you know, they may, may have some objections to that kind of thing. And uh, it just kind of goes back to the same kind of freedoms that we have as Americans. Well, you know, and I think it's, it's all part of, you know, being evangelical about our lifestyle is when you hear people say they have a problem with it, it's like, well, let me take you shooting, <laughs> you know, let, yeah. let's go out, let's go to the range, let's go up to the mountains, let's do some shooting. And then after that, you can tell me if you didn't like it, because we've had I, I, the number of people who I, I had, a, I have a nephew and we were driving up to the mountains to do some shooting. And he, you know, he believes I'm a one percenter percenter. He's not Antifa, but he probably supports what they do. But we were in the car and uh, just driving up there, he was nervous. And, you know, we get out of the car. He's like, look, I don't want to shoot. He goes, I don't like being near guns. I said, okay, totally get that. Um, but will you go through the training portion, the talking portion? And then if if you don't want to shoot, then you can hop on a four-wheeler or, or do whatever you want. So he, he listened through it, and, I, and then I gave him my golden boy. We have a 22 golden boy, and, and he started shooting it. And I'm not making this up. 500 rounds later, he wants a golden boy for Christmas, you know. <laughs> so that, that's that. just because, you know, we're shooting apples and water watermelon and little soldiers, you know, those little plastic soldiers. And he was yeah. really good, by the way. Um, so, yeah, you just it's just a it's just a fun thing to do. And and that's where I try to focus when I've had dozens of first time shooters, people who said, do not take my picture and put it on your Facebook page, by the way, too, which is OK, you know, but they had a lot of fun. I can promise you. So we bought an AR. I've got a suppressor, uh, a bunch of 22s. We walk them straight through the 22s up into the shotguns. Um, and it's just really, really fun. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, that's like I was saying, it's just one of those great things about living in this country where we can go out and just shoot. And I think a lot of that, those, uh, those fears and a lot of the, you know, the nervousness around guns, it just comes from lack of exposure. I can remember being real young, probably seven or eight years old and being nervous whenever, you know, my dad was having me shoot of some firearms. I remember, you know, sweating and trying to think of every kind of, uh, uh, excuse to get out of having to shoot because I was, I was afraid of the recoil. I was afraid of the noise and all that kind of thing. And then once I, you know, got conditioned to myself and I learned to respect the firearm for what it is and learned to, you know, how to handle it. And basically I was able to test the limits of what the, what the tool is. Cause that's what exactly what they are. They're tools that we can use for, to do a purpose. So once I kind of, you know, understood all the, those components about it, it was just made it that much more fun. And that of course being 28 now, 20 years later, that's something I I do religiously do, you know, every, at least once a week. And I'm going to have my, my son and my, my kids learning how to do the same thing, going through the same process that, that I went through whenever I was younger. So it's definitely something that is a very common in, in our, in our country, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's cool about it, too. Like, I, I was the same way. You know, I thought I was going to embarrass myself, you know, and um, especially with the recoil. That's the thing you think, man, this is going to be brutal. Then you put the 22 in your in your shoulder and you're like, did that? Did that? Did I even shoot that? You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 a, it's just fun. Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. So, you know, it's interesting that you you chose to become the CEO of Outdoor Sportsman Group. And of course, as you were saying, you kind of didn't really to have that experience in the hunting realm, in the outdoor realm. So when was it that you actually took over at Outdoor Sportman Group? And what were your kind of first reactions, I guess, whenever, whenever they chose you to be the CEO? Yeah, it was 2013. I uh, went in and like I said, the idea was to really try to build a media company. I think that the ownership of OSG recognized a long time ago that, uh, you know, having a hunting network without uh, all of the assets necessary to make yourself valuable to not only the consumers, but also to the uh, cable affiliates and everything else that just needed to change. So I came in to build that, you know, we've done MOTV and a lot of digital things, my outdoor television. Um, And very quickly after I came on board, bought uh, Sportsman Channel and their 15 magazines, which includes Peterson Hunting and uh, In Fisherman and Guns and Ammo, you know. So we we started uh, creating this pretty large footprint to the point now we're the largest global distributor of content. And um, you know the job is to figure out how you can monetize that in a time when hunting numbers are dropping, cable numbers are dropping, uh, and still being relevant. So. Uh, that's how, um, why I came to uh, work here. It was an exciting opportunity for me. So what kind of, uh, as far as changes go over the past, I guess, seven to eight years or so, what kind of changes have you seen as far as like a shift in trends within, you know, media consumption of hunting? Cause I feel like every time you turn around, at least in, you know, whenever I get on social media and that kind of thing, a lot of the things that I, I like, a lot of things that I'm interested in, they're involved with, you know, sh- shooting outdoors and hunting. So what kind of shifts have you seen as far as media consumption goes over the past, I don't know, eight to 10 years or so? Well, the biggest one is the expansion of digital content distribution. You know, in the 
The problem we have as an industry is that there are so many different digital outlets. It's 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 really hard to 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 get your message out on any one individual one. It's like it's like jumping into the ocean, um, and all sorts of different options are out there. Where uh, the linear networks are still, you know, by by a pretty wide margin, uh, the, the, a single destination to come and to go to. So you have to have the combination of digital and linear to be as effective as you can be. But it's just the the deterioration of eyeballs off of linear. And then you say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to spend my money in digital or I'm going to go to digital. But the problem is, is there's 150,000 different digital outlets. You can't really aggregate enough eyeballs on any one of those, except for a few exceptions to make a difference. So for us, from a sponsor advertising and eyeball standpoint, it's the the, the diffusion of, uh, of the eyeballs and the amount of places that you can go. Also, uh, what's going on in the cable industry where streaming and cord cutting and things like that are affecting uh, the linear networks, but you know that's why we have MOTV and 40 websites and the different things that we have now. Yeah, those digital options. It seems like you know every time you turn around, there's there's another one coming out. Like I know, uh, not to drop names, but I guess I will. But like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, and of course you guys coming out with the digital option of My Outdoor TV, where you can watch you know all kinds of shows and all kinds of great shows, and you know that that whole. I guess the instant streaming thing has really taken place of, of, I guess what people thought of as TV, you know, where you turn yeah. something on, you got to look up the schedule, the TV schedule to see what time something was coming on and, you know, set your alarm to, or the DVR to try to catch it. And then you can go back and watch it later. I mean, that that's almost in a blink of an eye become obsolete because of these, these instant streaming options. Yeah, and, and and actually, I think it's hurting the the hunting industry because it's hard because there's you, you have a, some stream some guys on the digital like the hunting public, uh, Hickok forty five. You've got some guys who are doing well. They 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 can make a living. They're they're out there. But then when you have all these thousands and thousands of other places that you could start your own digital presence if you wanted to, it just takes away the eyeballs where there's no one place outside of linear still is this, but you know, it's hard to find those eyeballs and to, and for, for different manufacturers and, and people trying to sell products and goods, it's a lot more difficult to find these people, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I can't believe at 28, you remember setting the DV, DVR. I mean, that, oh, that, yeah, that definitely. yeah, because if you remember it was, there was a time when I was younger where there were three channels so basically, yeah. you could buy a television commercial in the NBC Nightly News, ABC Nightly News, and CBS Nightly News, and you would reach every single person watching television that night. Now compare that to today. It's it's harder for advertisers to get their products out there, and uh, everybody's trying to figure it out. But it's uh, it's 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 and it's changing so fast. Nobody has it figured out. You have you have major major um, people in the uh, in the broadcast industry who start a digital offering only to cancel it two years later. I mean, it's really difficult and uh, people are all trying to figure it out right now, um, which makes it interesting and challenging. Um, but it's, it's just so different now. Yeah, it definitely is. Now, yeah. Like you were saying, I can, I can remember 
you know, the, the rabbit ears being on the TV and you had to, you know, move the, the rabbit ears around the antenna around to try to catch up on, on a, I don't know, maybe a basketball game or something. I think oh, did you say, did you say you're, did you say you're 28 or 128? <laughs> right. Rabbit ears? <laughs> oh yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I remember having to, uh, try to catch a Kentucky basketball game, you know, by, by moving out the, the rabbit ears around the antenna around just to make sure I could get it clear enough to where I could. Yeah. See you know, school, Tyler, so. for your, for your younger, for your younger people. And since they're hunters, they have to understand that these really are not ears that you've taken off of a rabbit. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, these are yeah. an antenna. Okay. I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. All right. got to clarify that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I can definitely remember that. And, you know, you were mentioning how hunting numbers are, are declining. Like we, I think we've seen this trend kind of happening over the past decade, maybe even two decades. But, you know, I think with the current world situation right now with the coronavirus and, you know, with all this craziness going on over the past six months or so, I think we've seen, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers or anything, but based on what I'm hearing from, you know, people in the industry and that kind of thing, we're seeing people that are really starting to gain a respect and really starting to get interested in hunting. And I think that's, that's something that we're really going to see coming up this fall, you know, the actual implications of, of what's going on as far as the, the peak in interest goes because of all the kind of stuff going on right now. Yeah. If you, if Fox has an article out today on foxnews.com, you have to go down to the bottom to find it. The numbers are definitely increased. And the question is, as an industry, how are we going to capitalize on that? You know. Um, and, and that should be the focus of everybody, but you're absolutely right. Uh, the number of people applying for a license has, has, has increased. So between that and, and what I think is happening is, is people being inside, you have a new appreciation for outdoors, a new appreciation for being able to hunt and get your own food. Uh, and then the healthy aspect of food has been kind of building over the last several years. So we're at a really good time if the industry will capitalize on that. And that's the big if right now. How do you think that, you know, of course there's, there's the, the media side of everything, but how, how are some ways that, you know, people that are in the hunting industries and people who are creating media content, that kind of thing, how can they, how can those companies, how can they really start to capitalize on the shift in the trend in the general population that are I guess, new to hunting and they are getting into hunting for the first time. They may not really know how to shoot a gun and that kind of thing. So how do you approach that from, you know, somebody who's in your position? Yeah, well, here, here's the problem. And by the way, when we talk about the harvest later, this it's a Jim Libertor thing, not an outdoor sportsman group thing. But the problem right. is, is that, is that this industry has to figure out a way to talk to the people outside of the industry. And they have never done that. You know, it's just not happening. And um, so what the message is that uh, people in the industry like to talk about is conservation, game management, land management. That's not what brings people into the space. Uh, we, for the film we're doing, um, we, we did a survey, had 13,000 surveys returned from hunters. And if you ask a hunter, why do you hunt? They will say for camaraderie with my friends and family, for food. Uh, because I love being outdoors, because I want to protect uh, and ensure the future of hunting exists. That's the message we need to take to the non-hunting people. And that's when they see, this is, I, I characterize it like this. This industry needs to sell the heart of hunting. It needs to sell the hunting lifestyle. It needs to sell the quality 
of the human beings and the people who are in the lifestyle. If you keep talking about conservation, by the way, camaraderie, food, uh, family, friends, that was all around uh, 70% or more why people hunt. Conservation, 8%. Okay, so we have got to be out in front of the non-hunting public telling the story of the heart of hunting in a time when the country needs that heart desperately. So all of the stars are aligning for us if we can capitalize on this and reach out to the non-hunting public. That's what we have to do. And I think every hunter has a responsibility to tell the story. I'm going to give a very quick story and tell you what I'm talking about. My sister lives in Pennsylvania. She had some guy delivering wood. And she asked him, so what are you doing this weekend? He said, well, my son and I are going on a trip this week. And she said, oh, great. He said, where are you going? And he, she said, he said, oh, we like to go up north, um, you know, and get out into nature. She's like, that's great. She's like, wow, that's that sounds fun. What do you guys do? Are you camping? And he goes, well, we're hunting. And she goes, oh, she goes, that's fantastic. And he said, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. I was afraid to tell you I was hunting. Now, what you would love that conversation to be, hey, so what are you doing? Well, my, my son and I are taking a week off hunting. We do it every year. It's awesome. Oh, I, I'm against hunting. Well, let me tell you why you shouldn't be. We get really healthy food. I get a week with my kid where we have the greatest memories that we ever make are out in the woods around a campfire. You know, whether or not we get lucky and, and get an animal or not, that doesn't matter. It's me and my son a week in God's creation around a campfire. That's what hunting is. You know, that's where we need to get, where we're evangelical about our hunting lifestyle too the non-hunters, because every single thing about the hunting story is good. Everything about the hunting story is needed and necessary right now. And we got to take advantage of that now. Now, if you're a person who thinks swatting a fly should be a felony, I, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the what I call the hunting agnostic, which is the huge portion of this country. And guess what? I was there seven years ago. I know that that's I never knew anything about hunting. And when I found out about it, I was totally blown away by how incredible the story is and how few people know it and how it's been happening since the dawn of time. And still people don't know the story. So that's that's kind of the purpose of the film we'll talk about later. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is I mean, that's spot on right there, because I feel like the the general population, you know, the overwhelming percentage of people not just in the united states but really across the world you know and of course it's going to change based on where you are but the overwhelming population overwhelming percentage of population i mean they just don't have the experience they don't know you know exactly what hunting is they may even support it or they may even say they support it but in reality they're not exactly sure what they're supporting or worse they may be against it and may not know why they're against why it. they're against it so, yeah and this is this is this is why this is important and this is why this this harvest film is important, and this is why we're asking. I, I, I am going to humbly and boldly ask that every single person who hears my voice go to theharvestmovie.com and donate and, and be part of this movement. And I'll explain why that's important. This isn't just because it's a beautiful lifestyle or the food, but I, I, I want you to think about this for a second. Imagine that you could take one of these kids off the streets of Portland or Seattle just pull them right out of the mob and send them straight up to the front range in Colorado, okay? Then not worry about 
a fire that burns a storefront, but a campfire. You know, not surrounded by angry mob members, but surrounded by your family, surrounded by your friends, sitting around a campfire, talking about your future, talking about life, just completely absorbing God and his creation, breathing in that fresh air. Now, there is no way that that kid will be out in a mob if he was raised hunting, right? So that's why this is so important. This isn't about preserving the lifestyle only. It's not about telling this beautiful story only. It's about introducing millions of people to this lifestyle that will change the country. I, I totally believe that. This is a, a God-inspired you know, um, project. My goals are huge. But you know, in any strong leadership position, you don't focus on the outcomes. You focus on the value of the cause, right? And right. if this cause is successful, the benefits will be just so far reaching. It'll be awesome. And I'm inviting, asking, begging, whatever the word is that we need. I want to get a hundred thousand hunters behind this project, but I'm ahead of your, your schedule. And I apologize for taking over the podcast. No, no, I think that was perfect. And that's a great, you know, a great kind of spot to dive into the, the project here. So what exactly is the harvest about? And we can kind of, you know, discuss, I guess, the synopsis and then get into your kind of role with it. And then, uh, of course, pick up right where you are right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's a film that is about a, a hunting family who right now in the script is from uh, Marble Falls, Texas, but that may change. But they uh, are a family. The, the dad is a professional hunter on Sportsman Channel. Uh, the kids are great hunters, love to hunt. They're twins. They're seniors in high school. The mother does not hunt used to be against hunting, but she now is for it, but she doesn't, you know, doesn't want to kill animals. That's just where she's at. Because I'm trying to, you know, show the array of people is you can appreciate hunting, but not participate in hunting. So that's where even, even in families, like it was yeah. in the same household. Yeah, exactly. Now she goes out with them when they hunt because she likes being with them, you know, but anyway, right. he gets a job in New York City. They move to New York and come under an enormous attack. Uh, the family starts to fall apart. And from the hunting perspective, what happens is the family is left to defend hunting and, and try to teach people about hunting, uh, which is where the hunting story comes out. But you see the beauty of the outdoors and the family, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, subliminal great hunting messages. The Christian message is this is, this is, this is a Christian film. This really is preaching to the choir in that perspective. It's for Christians to deeply evaluate their relationship with Christ, who they say Jesus is, and does their life match that belief? Meaning, if I say that, you know, Jesus is Lord and Savior, he wants to be involved with my life, he wants to have a personal relationship with me, and I'm living a life of stress, anxiety, or fear, there's a disconnect there. Either you don't really believe what you say you believe, or you're not owning what you believe. So it's going to challenge Christians strongly to uh, examine their faith, because the premise of the movie is that what this world needs right now is not worrying about eliminating the evil in the world, but Christians whose faith is alive and active, you know, and the power that's available to us. Because look, as Christians, we believe that from the bite of that apple, this is the direction the world's going. You know, this should not be a surprise to us, you know, but if you look at Jesus' time with unjust crucifixions and 
overtaxation and suppression of the people and all this horrible stuff going on. Jesus never commented on any of that. What he commented on was, who do you say I am? What are you doing about it? You know, it was always a personal thing. And that's what this this film from a Christian perspective is to really challenge people to live their faith. You know, be who you say you're going to be, because we need Christians whose faith is alive right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's interesting that you said that right right as you were saying, who do you say I am? I was writing it down. And that's, that's a, such a good point because, you know, with all this craziness going on, I kind of think of it as the, the story, you know, when Peter's stepping out onto the boat, Jesus is walking out on water, kind of see it, you know, kind of the same kind of thing. It reminded me of that as well as that Jesus is out here in the water doing something that's physically impossible as we know, you know, science. And as we know nature to, to exist, he's doing something impossible. And he is, uh, Peter saying, if this is really you, then you know call call me out here and then of yeah. course jesus says come and you know peter starts to walk and he gets really scared and you know he's looking at all the things around him he's looking at the storm around him he's losing his focus on jesus and of course jesus you know fast forward a little bit grabs him brings him up but essentially it's basically that same kind of concept of jesus saying who do you say i am you yeah. know and like then- we, we are looking around at all the craziness in the world we take our eyes off jesus you know, that, that's going to, it's going to have an impact on us and we just need to, to focus on Jesus. And that's great that you have, you know, sewn that into the story of, of your film. Yeah. And my, look, my faith is, is, is so weak that, you know, I can't watch the news. I wish I had stronger faith where I could watch the news and still be at peace. I can't, you know, um, but what I will say is if you think of Antifa or, 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 or anything else, the Black Lives Matter movement or uh, the things that happens to those women or those people protecting their house with a gun. You, you think of a, a thousand years from now, none of that's going to matter. 10,000 right. years from now, none of that's going to matter. But you know what is going to matter? What our answer is to, who do you say I am? And if you really believe, if you have an eternal perspective and you really, truly, honestly believe, yes, I am going, there is a, a, a palace waiting for me with, you know, and I'm going to be with Jesus, then this stuff, takes a whole different level of, uh, you know, a whole different priority. And what happens is you're the guy who's peaceful and joyful and powerful. And you're the guy who says, you know what, I know this is going on, but man, you know, if you got Jesus in your life, you're going to feel a peace that you can't, a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, that's what Christians are called to do right now. And man, I watch the news and I'm like, I can't believe that. I, that's, so, you know. It's like not who I want to be, and it doesn't matter. So I'm hoping to get my faith to a point where I can actually watch the news and not want to put my fist through somebody's face, quite honestly. <laughs> but I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. So, But that's what the, the, the premise of the film is. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's, it's so stressful to just even... Here in Kentucky, we have all kinds of you know political issues going on right now too with our governor and that kind of thing. And you know, even going to the grocery store, it just it's just so stressful because you just never, you just never know because you see all these things on on the news that you're kind of talking about there, and you know, you just never know you know what's what's right around the corner. But you know, not to take away, of course, from your film, but what's of what's your role as far as the Harvest film goes? I mean, are you uh, are you solely the, the person making the decisions on this, you know, how, how does that kind of work as far as the, the film writing process goes? Well, what happened was, is I've always had the, who do you say I am? I've always had that, that, 
that that thing in my heart that felt like people, you know, if you really believe what you say, you believe your life should reflect that. And I, I have a lot of people in my life who I feel think the path to heaven is through going to church and things they do. So I've always had this on my heart, but then when I got into the hunting deal and found out this amazing story that nobody knows, I I said, okay, this is my thing. I I'm going to get the the non-hunting public to understand this because somehow this $76 billion industry has not been able to do that. All right. So that's fine. I'm going to do that. So I'm going to create the first ever pro hunting film that celebrates God, celebrates family and celebrates the outdoors. So I, I wrote the script. I kept trying to pass it on to different people because that's not what I do. And God kept kicking it right back to me. So I wrote the script with a lot of help and input from other people. I'm a producer on the film, but we also have helping us producers from, I can only imagine a producer from the line, the witch in the wardrobe. We do have um, a Hollywood connection because you need that for distribution and, and other things for the film. But really uh, the other producers on are Mark Geist. He's Oz from Benghazi. You may know him. Um, uh, Michael Waddell is also involved with us. And uh, so, so, so it is it is a grassroots effort, you know, and my wife and I for, have been working on this for six years because I'm doing it on weekends and during lunch like this call or, uh, you know, after work or vacation. But it's taken a lot of time, it's taken a lot of money, it's taken a lot of effort. But, man, I, I just don't care what happens because God has been so powerfully working with us. He's got some plan for it. I don't know what it is. But it's really been cool and it's been fun and it's just been, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes just how honored I am that, you know, God would, you know, allow me a project like this, you know. So that's really my involvement in it right now. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And that's one thing that I've really, you know, loved about the way you've approached this you know, this whole project. Of course, your your humility throughout the process, you know, looking up how you how you, your journey with writing and your journey with producing this this film and the way that you've done it, you know, as far as not doing it the the typical Hollywood you know way of doing things, you know, of course you have to have those connections and stuff, kind of like what you were saying before, but you're not, I guess you're not doing it in in the traditional filmmaking process way, and because of that, you can control the narrative, you can control what's going to be in it, and you have uh, more authority over you know, of course, the, the entire project as a whole. And uh, I think that's a huge deal as far as creating solid content, especially for something that, you know, the world may see as controversial whenever you start involving hunting and guns and God all in the same movie. You know, that's, yeah. those are all things that are, you know, traditionally anti-Hollywood. So that's great that you guys have really approached it that way. Yeah. And, and what, what this is what we're really doing. And, you know, it's funny because the the story you told of Peter on the waves, that's, one of the analogies I, I use for this film, because, um, you know, I've had so many people tell me, especially in this industry, yeah, this is not going to happen. You cannot do this. This industry won't support it. You know, all the naysayers. And and there are times I, I look at the waves that I started to sink, but then I focus back on Jesus because the success or failure of this is going to be his. Now, I believe this film is already successful because in God's eyes, it's not necessarily about selling tickets or anything else. It's just whatever he's going to use it for. But I want, if, if we can get a hundred thousand hunters, the story will be 
that the hunters are making this movie. My name will completely disappear from this. It'll be the hunting communities making this movie. And then in Variety Magazine on the news, uh, Fox News, Breitbart, you know, maybe even CNN in a negative way, the story becomes, man, hunters are making this film. If we do that, we completely elevate the profile of our space we will be able to just change the trajectory of this space. And imagine, and the thing with the Christian audience, why that's so perfect is 86% of hunters connect their faith and hunting. Okay. So yeah. what that tells me is in reverse, there are millions of pro hunting Christians. They just don't know that's what they are yet. So when they go to this Christian film and learn about hunting, there will be millions of people. And I mean, millions who are learning about hunting. Now, these are not people who are going to go grab a gun and go out and start shooting stuff, but some of them will, for sure. But what really is going to happen is now you'll have a family that will defend hunting around the water cooler. They'll, have, they'll allow their kids to, to, to hunt. They will vote. We have a vote here coming up uh, in November where they Colorado, they want to uh, let uh, Canadian wolves in the front range because our governor and his husband hate hate hunting, you know, so they're going to let Canadian wolves go in and decimate the huntable population of elk and deer. I mean, there is an attack on this space and we don't have the numbers to defend it. But with all these other people who understand it, well, now we're really in a much stronger position. And the cool thing for me is individual hunters can lead on this. You know, if our industry is not going to lead on this, this could be the first industry that the participants lead the industry. And if you get 100,000, look, I think we get 200,000 or 300,000. We don't even need that many. I mean, at some point, it's like, I don't need your money. I just want you to join and support us, which you can do right now, by the way. If you don't have, it's a 20 to $500. If you don't have that money, you can still go in and support us. But imagine that, you know, going into a boardroom at SHOT Show and saying, hey, guys, I have a hundred thousand voices that want to be heard and want this uh, space, this lifestyle, this family generational, beautiful story protected. So let's do it. Industry, we're going to let the hunters lead us and we'll follow them. That's what's unbelievably exciting to me about this project. Yeah. Whenever you first mentioned that, you know, that quote that there are millions of Christians out there that are pro hunting that they don't even know it yet. You know, whenever you first said that at the presentation, you know, in Oklahoma, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I immediately, I immediately wrote that down because it was so true. Like it rang so true in my heart that I, I truly believe that also is that there are so many people out there, so many Christians out there who have faith in Jesus and they don't even, they don't understand the, the capacity, the relationship that we have with hunting and the, relationships that we have with with god through hunting and this film i think is just you know watching the the concept video at the meeting i think this film is going to be able to connect those two worlds and you know like you said 86 percent of people they connect faith with hunting and i think that's got to be something also that is done on an active level and i yeah. think that this this film is going to allow that to happen you know immediately because they're going to immediately have the components like we were talking about before with faith, you know, it's going to give the story of Jesus basically in the film, as well as, you know, 
apply some the the hunting aspect of it as well and it's going to be all in the same place you know for an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes two hours long however long the movie is and you're going to have all this information where you're going to be able to literally have those two worlds i guess you could you could say really in reality they mesh you know naturally anyways but have those two worlds and they're going to be meshed together you know right there on the screen that's that's great yeah, I mean, think about this is that generally someone would look at me and say, you're the last person who should write this script because I wasn't hunting seven years ago. You know, but the truth is I'm the best person to write the script because I I see your story. I see you guys in, in the way that you don't even see yourselves, you know, mm-hmm. what you represent. And I want every hunter to hear this. What you represent is everything right and good and needed in this country. Right. So. Look, I fell in love with the space, not because of the concept that I get to go out and, and shoot animals, uh, although the, the food, I can't wait to do that because of the food aspect of it. But yeah, yeah. but I was, you're talking about family, generational ties. You're talking about being out in nature around a campfire with your kids. You have 13-year-old kids who learn how to handle a firearm. They have that responsibility. They can hunt, harvest, cook, and eat their own food. You know, they have and then there's conservation and land, all that other good stuff too. But the point is, is these were Christian attributes before they were hunting attributes, you know? So yeah. that's what I mean. It's like when Christians hear this story, that that's already in their DNA. You know, they're already there. You just have to flip the switch and think about that. These, these films, the only people making these films are these guys called the Kendricks. Uh, War Room, Fireproof, Courageous. Those are their movies. Yes. Unapologetically Christian. They they have millions of people who go to those movies. So if this were a movie, the, the Christian aspect is going to bring in millions of people. And then that switch is going to go off for them. And, and then it changes everything. And, you know, I know hunters are going to think, oh, shoot, that means more people out at my favorite hunting spot. You know, <laughs> I, I'm here to tell you that that. Look, if you look at the video on our landing page, it talks about his hunting inadequated, should it be abolished. Those are recent articles. That's not from 20 years ago or 10. That's now. You look at the quarantines. What did these governors uh, stop? They stopped uh, the parks. They closed the parks. They stopped hunting. Uh, one state, you couldn't go out in a boat alone if it had a motor. They are geared up. They're ready to fight us for our guns and hunting. I'm just telling you, and I think there's a lot of hunters who think, well, you know, that'll never happen. But I'm more concerned if the lifestyle diminishes anymore because of the positive impact it has on families and on this country. Um, not to mention the population of the animals, the game and the land management, and things like that. But, but hunters, you know, look at it this way. If every person in this country hunted or had that attitude, Think about what this country would be like. We would not freaking be kneeling for the the national anthem. Right. You know, it, it just wouldn't be happening, you know, and we wouldn't be having the NFL and the NBA supporting organizations that in their mission statement calls for the destruction of the nuclear family. That's where we are today. In our video, you'll see where Michael Waddell says, you know, a lot of people have, they think they have the answer for what the world needs. I think I do too. You know what the world needs? The world needs a hunter. The world needs you. And that is exactly how we feel. But this movie will not happen if we don't raise the money. You know, I mean, that's one thing I want to be super clear about. Um, I, you know, we, you know, it, 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 we need 
to get these donations and crowdsource this so we can make this movie. Yeah. So you mentioned a hundred thousand hunters. So is that, is that what you're needing, you know, as far as donations go, is that what you're needing as far as uh, publicity goes, as far as, you know, basically just the behind the movement. I mean, is it, is that a, is there a specific reason that that number is, is what you chose to, I guess, be a part yeah. of the, the harvest? Yeah. There, there's really, because if you get there, you get everything else. You know, um, and, you know, it's like the Bible verse that says, if, if you if you have Jesus in your heart, all your other desires will come. But if we get there, the rest will happen on its own. This is what I mean. You have 100,000 hunters. I will have no problem getting any money I need to produce this film. You know, now I do go around to the Christian industry giants and say, look, I've got 100,000 of your customers who probably represent a million, you know, help me make this movie if we haven't raised all the money. The other thing the 100,000 does is it, it, it becomes a national story. You know, that's why 100,000 is a big fat number. Now, 100,000, think about this, represents two tenths of a percent of all the hunters and anglers in the country and seven tenths of a percent, less than seven tenths of a percent of all hunters. Yeah. You know, so if I can't get a hundred thousand hunters to back this, then quite frankly, this may not be a great idea. You know, I may have misread uh, uh, where people's heads are at. You know, um, I may have misread how hunters, how seriously hunters want to preserve this uh, lifestyle. In our uh, research, ninety-seven percent of hunters said it's important to pass along hunting to uh, the next generation. This is a way you can do it. Um, and, and the other thing is it just allows people to feel like, yeah, I, I'm doing something. I've done something. The other cool thing is the people who invest, we're going to have parties uh, probably associated with different, you know, Great American Outdoor Show, maybe the Western Show. We'll figure it out. Um, but we'll have parties where the people who invest are going to be invited to go. Uh, there are, con you'll, you'll also get hat and downloads and other things as you invest but we're also giving away things too and and uh where uh right now uh the first drawing is august 15th you'll have a chance to win a hunt with michael waddell um you can be an extra in the film uh we're gonna we, we're gonna have like ted you know promo codes if you use nugent or waddell's promo code we'll pick one of you guys to to be in the movie with a bone collector t-shirt on i mean there's a lot of really fun things because when you donate, you become a producer of the film. And I, I'm not saying that as like some gooey, oh, you're a producer. I, I mean it. And yeah. those hundred thousand are going to be one. You know, here is the hunter doing this film. So, um, you know, it's and, and this is the beauty. This is why I love this industry so much is like you, you we like I said, if the whole industry would come behind something like this or there's also something else I'm going to ask you to check out. I don't want to forget it called Hunt the Vote. It's a hunter nation thing. Google it. We need hunters to make sure they're voting this year, too. And I can talk more about that. But um, I, I, you know, you have some people who, who just didn't want to be a part of it. And I expected that the way the industry is. But then there's people like Toxie Hayes at Mossy Oak who. Yeah. I mean, Kim and I, this is going to make me get kind of teary here, but Kim and I have been working on this for almost six years. And then when I talk to Toxie about it, he writes me an email and says, Jim, I am honored you would even consider me 
for a project like this. I mean, that's Toxie Hayes. Honored that I'd even consider him, and they are helping. You know, Mossy is helping. Michael Waddell and I were at SHOT, and uh, I wanted to meet with Toxie. And I said, Michael, you probably can't be seen in the Mossy Oak booth, you know, because he's a real true guy. Right. He's like, no, forget that. You know, I'm going. So Mossy and or Michael and I, we all met. And, you know, you've got Mark Geist, Ted Nugent. I'm in full tilt. You know, you've got this. We have a small fraction of the industry, but it's the right people in the industry. And it's and anybody who said, well, what's in it for me or, or how much are you going to pay me? These guys are working for nothing. I have a market as Provident. Uh, marketing group is working on marketing for, for nothing. You know, that's the commitment that some people have. Then you have other people, posers, uh, you know, some of the guys in the industry, I'm just going to say a call it like it is, will stand at a, at a luncheon or a, a dinner and talk about how yeah. important it is to get more people involved. And then when I go knock on their door, they're like, well, what's in it for me? You know, and by the way, I told these people, if the film's successful, I'll, I'm going to pay all these guys for helping. I just can't promise you that up front. But there is an incredible, I shouldn't have started, the Drury's are in. They're awesome. Lee and Tiffany, you'll see them in the video. Uh, Wildcom, I mean, it's just, I shouldn't have started because there's, you, you can see on the website the supporters. But uh, it's just been really fun. And you really see the people who care step up and the people who don't, don't, you know, and it's it's interesting. Yeah. So most people are probably right now listening to this, you know, on their phones or whatever. So what are some things that people can do, you know, as far as social media goes, as far as, you know, YouTube goes or whatever, whatever platforms that, you know, they may be able to access. What are some things that people can do to kind of help promote this film right now? Well, there's, we have, uh, there was a great Forbes article that came out about it. Uh, there is a, um, you know, the harvestmovie.com, that's the, that's the landing page. Uh, anything, you know, first, I, I, again, if you knew me better, the idea of me asking people for money is something I would never do. You know, right. however, it's that important. I've asked people for money twice in my life. One was after the Haiti earthquake, and my wife and I have been involved in Haiti for years before the earthquake. And then two is this. It's the only time I ask people for money because the cause is that important. I think the cause is important for America. I, I honestly, I feel that way. But the harvestmovie.com, get involved, get your friends involved, get anybody you think would be interested. There's a way to put a frame around your Facebook, uh, a harvest frame around your Facebook picture. Uh, you can go to the harvestmovie1 at gmail.com. Any ideas, suggestions, you can reach out to us. Um, I, I just would ask you to really spread the word uh, and hopefully win some cool stuff and get some cool stuff. There's things you get for not, you know, not winning. You just get them if you donate. Um, and if you don't have money, there's a supporter page where you just sign up as a supporter or better yet, there's a prayer team page where I, I, I you know, I, I strongly believe in the power of prayer. And so you can join our prayer team as well. And you have chances to win if you're in either of those too. So um, I, I, I know people with COVID and everything else, I know people are going through a hard time. Uh, so I would value you just as much as a prayer team or more, uh, quite frankly, than if you actually gave us money. So it's theharvestmovie.com and just actually really push it out there. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that, I'll definitely ha- make sure I have that kind of stuff, that information in the details of the show. But I mean, there, there's ways that people can help, you know, regardless of financial situations, regardless of, you know, all those things like you were saying. And, um, you know, in reality, these things, they cost money to produce. Like you have to have money to have the equipment and hire the, the producers and hire the teams to do it and hire the actors and all these things cost money. So, I mean, I mean, of course it's uncomfortable, you know, and I know you, this, this is something that you can, you know, give a testament to as well as you just did. It's uncomfortable to ask people for money, but you know, in order for something like this, this project that I, like that I feel, and of course you feel is going to be so beneficial for not just hunters, but for, you know, people all over the country, even all walks of life and all backgrounds in order for this to actually take place, it's going to require some money. It's going to require some, some financial commitments as far as all those kinds of things go. So I would definitely make sure I have that information, you know, in the show notes, that way people can copy the links. They can do anything they want to, as far as uh, being able to, to help promote the harvest. And you were mentioned before that there was a hunt the vote. So yeah. what, what kind of, what, what's going on with the hunt yeah. the vote? I don't, I'm not sure if I've actually seen that. Yeah. Okay. First, let me say one more thing too that I didn't mention is that proceeds from this film will be going back to Hunter Nation, the Dallas Safari Club. It'll be going to the uh, different or Christian organizations who are helping us. The money's going to go back into the industry. The thing I'd really love to do with the money is create more pro hunting content too. So um, I think one thing someone could think is, well, that's great. I'm going to pay and he's going to make the money. The money will go back into the industry. Okay. The hunt, the vote. Um, is there's a group called Hunter Nation. I'm on the board for that. And what they're trying to do is, if you remember Rock the Vote, you know, where the musicians were trying to get people to vote, the Hunter Nation has something called Hunt the Vote. It's a 501c4, so we're not telling you who to vote for or anything like that. We're just asking hunters to get out and vote. The the percentage of hunters who don't vote is kind of alarming. Um, And we really really are going to ask. It comes back to what I said before. If we don't have these people, the caliber of people in the hunting lifestyle, these people who care about family and God and outdoors, if they aren't voting, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, like I said, in Colorado, if these if these wolves are introduced in the front range, people aren't going to be hunting like they used to in five years, you know. Um, but we have to get, although I, yeah, so hunt, hunt the vote, is I and I don't have I'm going to try to find the link. Well, I'll, I'll send you the link, Tyler, because you can have that okay. too. But if you Google Hunt the Vote and uh, there's uh, uh, Zoom meetings and other things about that, which I'll also say that uh, Thursday at seven central, there's going to be a Zoom meeting, um, which I'll send you the information where Waddell and I are going to be on the call with Keith Mark talking about the film. You're going to hear everything you just heard. So if you weren't bored to tears okay. yet, log in there and, and, and you will be, um, no, but, or get other people to watch that you want to hear. And I'm sure you can listen to this podcast for how long, I don't know how, how, how long it stays up. Oh, it, it'll stay up for, I mean, as long as the rice Killy podcast exists, as if I can help it. So all my, all my episodes, I post them basically to never be taken down. So this will be up for as, as long as it needs to be, but yeah, I mean, I can definitely uh, agree with the the notion of, of voting because, I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, going back to our, the beginning of our conversation with living in America, we have the ability, we have the, the right, and we have the opportunity to vote for people to lead our country, 
you know, whether positive or negative to lead our country. And, you know, that's something that, that all hunters and all people, also American citizens should take advantage of. And, you know, there are so many countries out there that they wish they had the opportunity to, to vote. And, you know, that's especially important for people who, who like to hunt and who, you know, they prioritize their faith and their family and working and all those types of things, you know, just the, the American dream dream in general. So it's important that, that all hunters, you know, get out and vote. So. Yeah. It's hunt the vote.org, but, but, but it's, it's just hard for me to imagine right now, you know, living in this country and not voting when, you know, there are organizations that want to defund the police or defund our military or destroy the nuclear family, you know, or who say, you know, you can go out and riot in a street. That's okay. But you can't go to church, you know. Um, I mean, I mean, there are there are things, honestly, six months ago, I would have said that that is just never going to happen. This defund the police thing. I I don't even know how that works. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know. I was someone who says defund the police. You know, then they're trying to massage it into, well, let's send resources. Okay, what's the difference? If we're not going to pay our cops, you're not going to have people who want to be cops. You know, the the people, this is what I was just telling somebody, that everything that is right in this country is under attack right now. I mean, God's always been under attack, but the police, the military, the family, hunting, I mean, these are all good things. And it, and as Christians, I think we know the answer to why that is. Um, but it's just hard to watch. And man, we got to vote. I mean, that's that. So it's huntthevote.org. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure I include that. And, you know, I think we see this a lot, in, of course, in Romans chapter one. Right? You see the at the time Rome is looks a lot honestly looks a lot like what america does where you have all these things that are evil being called good and good being called evil and you see that all throughout the bible and we're seeing that you know every time you turn on tv every time you turn on facebook or you might see it on some instagram also and twitter and um you know just seeing all these the evil being celebrated in the world right now and if we aren't you know out hopefully standing in in the voting lines at, at a poll then, you know, I, I don't know if we really have the opportunity to be able to, you know, complain too much whenever things go, go wrong, because it's our responsibility yeah. to vote. And it's our, it's our duty to vote, to be able to get out there and take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, you know, and I, and I really believe that, you know, you talk about the rights we have in this, in this country. And I, I, I don't want to be like a tinfoil hat guy or sound like I'm crazy or anything <laughs> like that. But I I believe if if depending on who is in office, I, I think the speed with which we will lose those rights is going to blow people's minds. I, I really believe that. You know, you look at the quarantine stuff. You look at at, at the look. ARs are gone. If we if if depending on who gets gets elected, ARs are gone. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we've already seen the attack on ammo. There'll be, whether it's the cost, the tax, whatever it's going to be, there will be uh, restrictions on ammo. Um, The other thing and the hunting, you know, there are ways around it, like the wolf thing that we've talked about, uh, closing public lands. There was a thing that um, Obama wanted to do where uh, the, the government controls the water from its source 
to its final destination, which meant when a drop of rain falls on the Great Divide, they're in charge of that, you know. And you saw what he did to fishing. He he had a lot of uh, restrictions on where you can fish. It's it's if our numbers don't include a t- millions of non-hunting supporters, I, I'm serious. We've got problems. I'm, I'm I I believe that from the bottom of my heart that there are problems. And the harvest is one way to get those numbers to change and huntthevote.org obviously is too but guys and girls whenever i say guys look i got five sisters so to me guys means (laughs) men. and if you look at our video by the way women are more represented in it than men um i noticed that yeah yeah yeah. i thought thought that was great yeah so um and in the movie the teenage daughter is the best hunter in the entire family um but but yeah we got we got guys please I, i i really i just i just pray that you will support, you know, there's a promo code in there. And if you would put Tyler's name in that promo code, I would appreciate it because um, again, because we control this, you know, what I would love to do is be able to do something from that group, pick an extra, uh, send a buck knife. Buck knife is making a, a harvest knife. Uh, Negrini cases, we're going to get some cases. It's just, there's a lot of people stepping up the Dallas Safari club, the Houston Safari club, uh, YKK is calling. I mean, we just have a lot of people lining up, but none of it matters without you. And I just really hope that that with earnestness, you will pray and consider joining us. But even if, like I said, if you don't have the money, you can still join us as a supporter. So there is no excuse for that. Um, <laughs> just Or the prayer team. So, yeah. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing the progress that it's going to make over the the coming months. And, you know, where can people kind of keep track of the progress of the film? Yeah, the the harvestmovie.com is one place where you can see uh, right now, I think we're at 101,000. You know, we just we just started this thing, Um, but we will uh, there'll be press releases. Uh, The prayer team, we're going to have regular, uh, you know, prayer updates and, and asking people to pray. Uh, for the next 60 to 90 days, you know, Waddell, Nugent, Drury's, I mean, people are going to be pushing it out. So you'll hear a lot about it. Then after that, we will uh, start a, a place where all the uh, people who got involved will be regularly sending you messages from now until the, the release of the movie next year, assuming we raise the money we need. Um, and that you're going to be a part of it. You know, and we'll be telling you, hey, guys, we're going to be here. And here's the party, you know, and you're invited because you're a donor. We're going to be here. Are we going to be here? You know, um, we'll we'll have Zoom calls with everybody that will be regular. Uh, It'll be really fun. And um, you're really going to feel like you're a part of it. You know, this isn't you give us your money and then goodbye. You know, if you want to stay a part of it, we'll be able to. The way the technology is today, it's very easy. Absolutely. And you're also on uh, some social media accounts as well. I think I follow you on. Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, Facebook, where, else, where else are you? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I think that's I think that's it. I'll definitely have I'll have all kinds of ep, uh, information down into the show notes of this episode, so people can go there. They can check out the articles. I'll have the hunt the vote in there. I'll of course have the the social media information there. I'll have the website there. So there'll be all kinds of information that people who who listen to this and they want to find out more about the Harvest film, they can go down there click on those links and check out all those 
those links down there. Jim, I appreciate you being on the Rice Kelly podcast with me. This has been a great conversation. I think it's a conversation that is certainly needed. I think it's uh, you know, your project with the Harvest and your continued work with Outdoor Sportsman Group is something that is, of course, continued uh, to be needed as well. And I, I appreciate you being on the show with me. Yeah, thank you so much, man. I, I, it's people like you that make this all fun and worthwhile, and and uh, just thank you. So I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. And again, please excuse me for being so bold, but um, you know I'm not going to be timid about this. I think it's that important. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that you've got to be bold in order to to get those goals accomplished, and that's that's certainly something I appreciate. Which is thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you guys. And keep keep sharing this, this, the faith and the space, man. That's what we need. All right, guys. So this was an absolutely incredible conversation that I had with Jim. So be sure to take advantage of all the information that's down in the show details. So if you are on Apple Podcasts, which I think most of you guys probably are, whenever you open up this episode, whenever you have a plan, you scroll down, there's going to be all kinds of information down there, all kinds of links. So make sure you take advantage of that stuff. And this is all stuff that is straight from my conversation with Jim. Also, if you guys got any value from today's episode, which I'm sure you did, if you are even listening to this podcast, then this conversation was one that spoke exactly to our hearts. So if you guys got any value from today's episode, I just want to ask that you guys take 15 seconds, scroll down, leave a rating and review for the Rice Elite podcast. And that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Rice Elite podcast. My name is Tyler Pruitt. Make sure you guys subscribe and check out next week's episode.